Welcome back to The Storyliner, the show where we turn story listeners into story makers. We're unfolding an ongoing storyline, one chapter at a time, one creator at a time. I'm Daniel Janoff, and this is an interview installment, where I'll be talking with our most recent contributor, journalist, culture writer, and perennial cool kid, Melissa Locker. If you spend five minutes talking with Melissa about your favorite songs, favorite shows, or favorite movies, inevitably you'll name drop someone she's interviewed over the course of her career as a writer for Vanity Fair, Rolling Stone, and The Guardian, among many others. I once asked Melissa how much writing she does every week as part of her work, and she estimated it's easily 10,000 words a week. To put that number in perspective, the average submission to the Storyliner is a mere 1,500 words. So she writes a lot. But while Melissa has written about nearly everything for nearly everybody, I was pretty sure that she hadn't done anything fiction-based in her years as a professional writer. So I asked, and she agreed to author the fourth submission to the Storyliner. After recording her episode, we sat down to talk a bit about how she became one of the fortunate few who actually write for money, how writing for money can sometimes be a drag, why I think she should start a band, and of course, writer's block. One quick word before we dive in. I had a bit of a cold when we recorded this, and the recording environment wasn't so great, so the audio quality may be a little off, but hopefully you'll still enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Do you ever struggle with writer's block? Is that ever a challenge for you? Is it just like, you don't, you, the deadlines don't give you that luxury? I feel like creative writers are, are the ones who are more likely to sort of paint themselves into a corner and need to sort of really pause and rethink about how they want to do that. I feel like writer's block is a luxury of people who don't necessarily have a deadline. I have no choice like I have to turn something in I'll start getting emails from editors if I don't you know um it's been an hour and a half do you that since you pitched the story and or <clears throat> you know just um is that story coming in today because I kind of I have exactly two hours to edit it to post it or you know you've just, had, you, well, just you've had somebody come back at you after an hour uh one vertical that I write for for time which is very responsive to the news cycle and if you don't get, I we I will usually pitch, write, and then turn into my editor within an hour, like one or two pieces within that hour. Right. And you know they're only like you know three hundred words max, but you just kind of have to churn through them. You can't spend days and days and days honing something because I think you get to a point where it's not like one word is not going to make or break a sentence let alone a paragraph or a book when I was asking about helping out with this um, you could have easily said no and I would not have because I know full well you've got to you've got to make that dollar Um, why did you agree to do this it sounded fun (laughs) (laughs) the um, I think the you know sometimes even though I'm not a creative writer per se, I love it when I actually do have time. And so when friends incur, or you know, my agent is like, "Please write something that isn't this," it's like, "Oh, okay, let me try something." And it's fun to you know, it's like stretching muscles you can't remember that you have. Like I had a friend who was a um, worked at an ice cream parlor and would scoop ice cream all day and developed this really weird muscle in their arm that I didn't even know I had. And looking at her arm with this crazy muscle on it you're like I have that muscle too and I have no idea that that thing existed so I think like writing for fun or for you know podcasts or for stories or for fiction I don't remember that I have that muscle so it's sometimes fun to like go in and try discovering you have unknown talent in something you've never tried before actually brings you back to your regular thing with a little more confidence I find like mm-hmm. wow wow I was better at that than I thought it would be when you, when you go back to your day to day whatever kind of writing it happens mm-hmm. to be 
you come back with a little bit of new confidence because you tried something new. Yeah, but I should be clear, I have no skills as an ice cream scooper at all. I was really taking that. Was, I thought that was very Mr. Miyagi, like you were really taking it into a... Yeah, yeah. It, I, it, if I was... Well, you know, Danielson did not end up as a car waxer either. So. True. But I was saying, like, once you've scooped a thousand scoops, you're finally ready to write. Yes, yes, except novel. that you probably would have a wrist and a cast by right. then. Yeah. Dictate. You have to use dictation software. You said, though, I think you, I'm pretty sure you said with this one in particular, you procrastinated a little bit. I procrastinate everything. There's, I am a diehard procrastinator. I wrote, like, my, I write everything at the absolute last minute. If I don't have a deadline pushing me down, I will be sitting on the couch eating popcorn, you know, watching Grey's Anatomy. Wait, I mean something much cooler than Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I procrastinate a lot. Right. But just because I have so many, I think it's because I just have so many deadlines in my life that the second I don't have a deadline, I will, like, I even make my agent give me deadlines. I'm like, just give me a deadline for this fake thing that I'm fake writing. And she's like, what? I'm like, no, really, just give me a deadline. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't take it personally. You should, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're true. I mean, it's, it's like, and there's there's professional deadlines, but then there's also you can suddenly create all these personal deadlines. Like, I really have got to, you know, do the laundry, sort of that drawer, reorganize something that doesn't need to be reorganized. You'll create other deadlines that somehow supersede uh, was actually a really important writing creative deadline. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I should hang out with my child. <laughs> I want to hang out with my child. Yeah. Is this, wait, can you can you pencil that in? So let's get to the, the section that you wrote. I was wondering, as with each of you, you were going to have a different challenge. And on the one hand, with Steph's writing the first section, it was still, I mean, there was certainly a setup, but it was still relatively blue sky as, as it relates to, you know, who are these people? Where is it going? Um, whereas with you, things are starting, things had already, you know, somebody had sort of spun it this way, somebody else had spun it that way. Do you think it was a little more, do you think it was easier kind of coming to it with a little more uh, setup? Or was it, was it harder because of, you know, people had started taking it down these roads? Well, first, Stefan cheated. He did not follow the rules closely. I didn't want. I don't want to out him. I didn't want to out him on his recording, but yes, a little, maybe a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So I wanted to. I'm a big rule person. I like rules, so I stuck to the rules. And I feel like um, the one thing that I felt was sort of a challenge is I felt like I needed to push the action forward. Like I didn't want to leave it in a weird stasis. Like I wanted to have something happen, as opposed to just a scene. That was sort of floating by itself. I felt like I needed to propel the action forward in some way, so I felt that was sort of a challenge. Were there was there anything like in so there was there were three sections that happened already. Were there was there anything you wish that so and so hadn't done so that you could you know was there any like ah oh, damn it I have to now I have to kind of take it the way they took it. I don't think so. I felt like it was all just coming in and having read those three pieces, it just gave you a sense of like what was possible and where you could go next. And I don't really feel like any of them, I feel like limitations are almost more fun, but I'm also the sort of cook who I like to go into a kitchen and there's only like seven ingredients and there's no reason that they should work together. And you just have to make something amazing out of whatever's in your refrigerator. I felt like it was some sort of weird, like chopped cooking challenge where you just had to come in and take what was offered and it was. I like the challenge of it because you had to push yourself to sort of incorporate the ingredients you were given. Yeah, I, I agree. I think blue sky is not a good thing. I think actually no. you're, you're, you you get done faster. You 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 find you just, sometimes the discoveries are more exciting when someone kind of forces you into even just a genre um, versus like 
infinity. Right. I feel like things in life are just harder when you have all your options laid out for you. You can do anything. And you're like, I don't yeah. want to do anything. Infinity is, infinity is a tough muse. That's your headline. Infinity is a tough muse. Yeah, that's what I would pull out of this conversation so far. <laughs> oh, good. Something mildly profound. You are, in my opinion, a real writer, despite what you say. Um, you, you, you know, very successful in many different modes of writing, yet you've told me you often kind of put off creative writing. You're, when you, I think you've, you've had, you've, I think you mentioned you'd had ideas in the past for this, that, and the third, but you've kind of set them to the side or, you know, didn't, oh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to try something this Saturday, but I'm not going to do it. What, what causes that setting to the side of the more like, creative writing type stuff? I think it's really just that old nut about the busman's holiday, where does the guy who drives the bus all day want to go on a Sunday drive with his family? Not necessarily. He might want to go, you know, play flag football in the park. I really do love writing, and but I do it 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. I don't know if I necessarily want to spend my weekend, you know, writing for fun, because, like, I generally, I, you know, I'm really lucky. I, I genuinely like the work that I do and I try and write about subjects that I find interesting but it does have the side effect of making me not want to write things I'm really passionate about necessarily or kind of diving into what I believe would make me into like a real writer which is writing fiction or writing like a longer form book or something like that I just sometimes need to step away from the computer also writing on a computer all day is really bad for your health which no one tells you like in health class or what colors my parachute books like I have carpal tunnel I have neck problems I have eyesight problems like sometimes you just got to get away from your stupid computer um you know what this means though is I am old I know no, it Go means it, it means you need to start a band like you know like Nick Cave right he's this super great writer and mm-hmm. all of his songs are super narrative and some of them are just mm-hmm. he's, they're just like short stories put to song mm-hmm. you you should be in a band that way you can be, do your creative writing but not have to type Right. That wouldn't require some musical prowess. I mean, I guess I could start like a Ramones 2.0. The gal, who, the the gal from Pretenders wasn't. Didn't she Pretend. start out? As, didn't she start as a, as a as a journalist, a rock journalist? She did. Just saying. Yeah. Well, I'm interviewing Chrissy Hine in a couple of weeks, so I can ask her about it. So. How did you make the transition? Because I'm thinking about doing the same thing. Right. I've decided that I, despite my lack of musical talent, I'm going to be in a band. Can't be. It doesn't look that hard. When I first looked at what you wrote, um, once I was done praising it, I was quite taken. I mean, everybody wrote something different, and there was sort of different things I liked about what they wrote. Um, I was particularly grabbed with your stuff by the social media beats. You know, the, I, the bit about sort of f- sort of friendly comments that really hide Scheidenfraud. You know, like oh, this is finally my chance to stick it to her by way of a um, indirect comment on a social media post. You know, or sort of. Uh, virality as notoriety and just the notion of achieving virality as, as a moment of story or plot point or whatever and I know you're very involved you know some of the writing you do relates to that how do you think the presence of uh, social media is altering the way stuff is getting written either stories or narratives I mean what 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 changes are you seeing or how do you think it's affecting writing I think people are certainly incorporating it more into movies and I mean, whenever you want that kind of touch of veracity, I feel like people start have started to include social media because it's so obviously such a big part of modern life. 
and whether it's like for the good or for the bad, there have obviously been a lot of movies showing like the negative side of social media. Like I watched Cyberbully on Lifetime. It was classic. And but there's also, you know, there's I think people are just on social media. I think it's interesting though because I, with social media, because it's such a big, it's a big deal to a lot of people. Yet it all, it's this big thing that happens, yet it doesn't happen at all, right? It happens on people's phones. It doesn't even happen on a laptop by and large. It's like in it's it's these these story movements and these dun 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 dun, but it's all in a phone. Yeah, I feel like there's so it feels so real, like so much of the social media stuff. Like, oh, my photo got. 14 likes or my social media or my Facebook post is like everybody's commenting on it or my tweet got retweeted this many times and it feels real and I think people forget that they can just turn off their phone and walk away. I also I also found it interesting just because I know you um, you you ended your section with sort of a cliffhanger you know mm-hmm. um, and it's it's been tweaked a little bit but the spirit was sort of kept. I've always loved cliffhangers mm-hmm. e- even though I know as an audience person and as somebody who writes, it's the it's like the most manipulative thing a writer can do. Like it's 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 and it's it's transactional too. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, not gonna tell you. You got to come back and and you got to pay another or you got to watch more commercials. Why did you find yourself ending on a sort of cliffhanger? Have you ever played that drawing game called Exquisite Corpse, mm-hmm. which is you know the surrealist and you draw like kind of what you only see two little lines hanging over the edge. You can draw whatever you want and you leave two little lines hanging over so, and then you fold your paper down you only have the two little lines and then the, the next artist kind of goes from there ex- expanding on those two little lines so I didn't actually see it as a cliffhanger as just two little lines hanging for the next writer to pick up and kind of go from there mm-hmm. so it was more of a lifeline than a cliffhanger in my opinion lifeline mm-hmm. like that if you could be in the writer's room on any show current or past what would that show be and why sex in the city I would like I would like to be a writer on Sex and the City, but mostly so I could have the other writers try to explain to me how Carrie Bradshaw writes one column a week and manages to pay her rent on an upper side apartment. My thanks to our guest Melissa Locker. You can check out links to the roughly five million articles she's written by visiting melissalocker.com. She also tweets under the handle Wooly Knickers. Check it out, she's a great follow. As I mentioned in our previous episode, Melissa was the final contributor to our trial run start to the show. That means every episode that follows will come to us from you, the listener. To put a fine point on it, we're looking to you, yes you, to contribute to episode 5. You can check out our guidelines and post your submission on the submit page of our site, thestoryliner.com. And please, oh please, check us out on the iTunes store. If you've been following us this far, there's a good chance you may be enjoying this as much as we are. So help out by clicking subscribe and writing a review. This show is all about its audience. And with those two simple acts, you'll be helping us make that connection. And if you share a link to the show on Facebook, well, that pretty much proves you're one of the good ones. Keep listening, keep typing, and we look forward to your submission. Music and sound design for our show were composed by Stefan Boublil. Logo and site were designed by The Apartment. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace. You look like an expert right from the start by making your website with Squarespace. Its award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. Stand out with a professional website, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website.